Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Create Your Life series, where we help you maximize your potential and results in the area of personal development, entrepreneurship, and travel. And I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Beautiful people, happy, happy Sunday. This is the Create Your Life series. I'm your host, Kevin Y. Brown, and it's one of those good days. Well, I guess every day is a good day when you're above ground, so definitely happy to be here. i got an amazing guest here in the studio. Uh, very humble to have this guy here. Uh, but as you know, before we bring on our amazing guests, you and I have to catch up. And uh, what has been going on with me over the past week? I would have to say that life has been good. It's definitely been interesting these last uh, couple days because I've had some really long ones. Uh, Friday had an amazing meeting um, about some opportunities and then had another back to back, had back to back meetings, then had another meeting that actually took me into about 3 a.m. And then I had to go home and hop a shower and iron and go straight to JFK so that I could fly to Boston to catch a flight to be at the African-American Student Union uh, annual conference that they have every year with, where they have a bunch of uh, industry trailblazers sit on panels and really uh, talk about what it takes to make it in today's world. And so that experience was actually amazing. And I actually want to call myself out about that because I was a bit hesitant to go. And it was my peer group, my friends. I know we always talk about that, how important it is to have friends who hold you in the highest standard and want to see the best for you. But they actually pushed me to go ahead and hop this flight. I had a free, I could have flew there. I mean, I flew there free and I, that was an opportunity that I had, but I was like, man, I don't know if this is going to be worth it, if this is going to be necessary. And they said, well, you know, it's only one way for you to find out. And, you know, being around, you know, these type of people, this caliber of person is really what's going to push you to uh, expand your horizons. And you just never know. But what you do know is that if you don't go, then you'll be getting the same results as if you stay, you know, for staying here. And so I went and I'm very happy that I did. And I actually I flew back this morning, uh, had another one where I went to all of the events that they had and even the after party for uh, the conference. And so I actually got in at 7 a.m. because, of course, we try to take no days off here at the Create Your Life series. So here for you, beautiful people. And, you know, that's that's the catch up for this week. Now, without further ado, um, I want to introduce our guest, and I'm not going to go through his bio because I, I have a list of at least 10, 12 bullet points about this dude, but uh, Mr. Asol Harris, uh, who has been an entertainment entertainment writer and uh, magazine editor and also an author of a book about Nicki Minaj and her rise to uh, to fame. Asol, um, please say hello to the Create Your Life series family. Hello, 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 everybody. Yes, yeah, so so we had the opportunity to meet about two months ago yep. at uh, Seal, one of our mutual friends' uh, birthday party. We were introduced by Al, who's a, one of my fraternity brothers, a good man. And uh, man, I mean, we've been we've been cool ever since, man. Yep. 
yeah. just in-depth conversation, good, genuine person, man. So I'm actually, I'm thankful to know you. And I, upon doing more research, I'm like, dude, you have to absolutely be on the show. <laughs> we didn't have any small talk. We went straight into like serious talk. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny because yeah. we just clicked like that. It was really clicked, yeah. Yeah. And then your other friend was there. Yeah, uh, David. Yeah, David, man. from the Bay Area, like you. Right. Yes. Another Bay Area native, you know, yeah. got to represent. And you're from the A. You're from Gainesville, I was Georgia. Born in Gainesville, yeah. It's born like, in Gainesville. It's like outside of Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you're also a graduate of Morehouse College. Morehouse College, yeah. And? And NYU. NYU. Yeah. Wow. Uh, how how was the A for you, uh, the experience at, at Morehouse? Because I'm a graduate of Clark Atlanta, so you know it's all AUC love. Well, I mean, when I was at Morehouse, um, Atlanta was uh, is a different city. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen Atlanta in its different incarnations, you know. Right, right. Diff- I, mean, I went to one of the first Freaknicks. So, wow, <laughs> wow, dude, you gonna have to share some of those stories yeah, yeah. off air, but yeah, I yeah, definitely yeah. want to know about yeah, it was, that. It was, it was it was a different day and time. You know? Oh man, it was fun though. It was a lot of fun. Okay, so so man, you've been the the senior editor at Uptown Magazine, uh, managing editor at uh, Nine Four Four Magazine, uh, niche. Uh, entertainment editor at a niche media, uh, Peach Magazine, um, entertainment editor at uh, at Upskill. I mean, dude, this I was goes actually the on and on. chief of Uptown. Oh, I'm sorry. Forgive me. <laughs> uh, let me let me get right. I have been misinformed. Uh, but you've interviewed, you you've climbed this ladder. Describe this journey of going from uh, Morehouse, uh, where you studied English, English, mm-hmm. to coming to New York City, and evolving and climbing like this how how did that how have you managed to do so that's a long long involved we got time brother (laughs) give us give us some jewels some some Um, snippets man of what it takes well when i went to um when i was at morehouse i didn't know what i wanted to major in at Mm -hmm. all i thought i was going to major in business administration and that's all i knew because my father was um one of the first black marketing managers at ibm like in the 70s and 80s you know so Mm -hmm. growing up that's all i saw I, I, i was an ibm kid I saw, mm-hmm. like, you know, went to all, I went to his meetings, and I went with him, and I heard him on the phone, and I saw him with colleagues, you know, so that's all I knew was, like, business. So I thought I was going to go into that. Right. So got to Morehouse and started going to my classes, and I had this one teacher. Her name was Ursula Doyle. Okay. She had just graduated from Columbia, so she was brand new. And she had this class, and it was so crazy because she involved film, and we had, like, Spike Lee, she gotta, she's got to have it. And mm-hmm. she compared that to Romare Beard and his work, his like his collage work. So she was mixing art and and poetry and media and all these things together. And mm-hmm. It was the first time I've ever experienced that. Mm-hmm. And I wrote a paper for her, and the first paper I did, I got a D. Okay. And I was like, "What? What's, what's going on?" Right, right. <laughs> um, I had never gotten anything lower than a, basically like a B in, in English at all. Okay. So she basically broke me down, like mm-hmm. all the way down, and basically taught me how to write all over again. Wow. Um, and so after that. I was like, oh, I have to major in English. Like what, what year was this for you at Morehouse? My freshman year. Okay. Yeah. My, okay. my first semester at mm. Morehouse, you know. Um, and I was like, I have to major in English. I don't know what's, where that's going to take me, but I have to do it. Took so, on a challenge, man. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I grew up being a, like a magazine junkie. I've been reading magazines um, since I was probably nine years old. So I started, oh, wow. Yeah. So, I was reading Ebony. I was reading Rolling Stone. I was reading Vanity Fair, mm-hmm. like uh, Billboard. And um, I always wanted to go into entertainment. And um, and so I wanted to write, wanted to go into entertainment. So I was like, well, I might as well marry the two and yeah. become a journalist. Okay. And so once you, where was your first job at um, when you got to work? Matter of fact, no, tell us about that story because I believe you became a teacher for a while, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, tell us yeah, about so that see, evolution. It, it, took, it took me a minute to get to journalism. Um, yeah. So, What's that journey um, like? So I tried to 
get some experience while I was in Morehouse. I was on the Morehouse paper. Okay. Did that. Maroon Tiger. The Mar- ah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I know. Okay. Ours is the okay. Panther, you know. Okay, okay. Um, yeah, did the Morehouse um, paper, the Maroon Tiger. Um, and then once I graduated, I wanted to go into journalism, but it didn't work out. I tried to get some internships, some jobs. It didn't work out. Um, so I decided to go to grad school. Okay. And, um, and I got accepted to a program for English education. So At NYU Stern, right? Yeah, NYU. Okay. Yeah. Um, and I thought... I knew teaching. I wanted to teach somewhere in my life. Mm-hmm. You know, I, my grandmother was a teacher. My grandmother was one of the closest people to me. She was the first person in our family to go to college. You know, she went to Savannah State College in, in Georgia, and she was AKA and all that stuff. And so she really instilled in me, like, the importance of education, of travel, everything. So she was mm-hmm. so important to me. So I knew I wanted to teach at some point. And growing up, I saw all the people that she had influenced, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, wow, just being a teacher, that really means a lot. So, um... So I said, okay, I'll be a teacher. So I applied to NYU, got in, and I went to the master's program there. Okay. Yeah, for like two years. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And, and so then, after you finished up there, then what was your yeah, process? So, so well, <laughs> so I went to, um, I wanted to stay in New York. Didn't really work out. I um, was looking for a job, pounding the pavement after I had my, got my degree. Um, I was like, I have a, I have a bachelor's in Morehouse, a master's at NYU, can't get a job. Like, what's right. going on? Um, and so I decided to go back home. Okay. Um, and leave New York. My friends were really mad at me, but I decided to go back home. I was actually um, watching, I think I was watching Oprah one day, and, <laughs> and she was talking about the importance of maybe taking it back to zero, taking it back. And I was like, taking it back to zero meant me going back home. Mm. So I did that. And the first, when I got back home, the next day I had a job. In New York? No, in Atlanta. In Atlanta. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And what was the publication? Or No, no, no. I was teaching. I got a, I got a job teaching. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, so I taught I taught school for two and a half years. Wow. And what was the what was that defining moment where you were kind of like, you know what, this is not what I want to do? Or okay, so teaching was great. I mean, it was a great experience. Um, I don't regret it whatsoever. I think everyone should have the kind of experience where you are basically nurturing children. It really takes a lot of a lot in you, a lot out of you. Um, it, it causes you to be a lot selfless get out of your ego you know mm-hmm. um so it was a good experience but i knew that it wasn't for me and for my life i would sit in my classroom and my kids would be working and i had a patio in my room and i had the door open and i would mm-hmm. look out i was literally look out that window like the door every day and i would say like wow there's a whole world out there and i'm just sitting right here <laughs> and it's just like going Shh. and um so i would complain to my parents every day mm. and um i remember i went to dinner with my parents and my father had had enough he just looked at me he said so what the do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do? Oh, and wow. so I said, I want to write. He was like, well, just write. And I said, well, Dad, it's not that easy. He said, yes, it is. Just go write. I was like, okay, whatever. And so, <laughs> um, so one day I was walking. I was in Atlanta. I was walking downtown, and I was walking down the street, and I saw these newspaper stands. Mm-hmm. And you know how they have the free weeklies? Yeah, yeah, of course. So I saw rolling free- out and all of that? Yeah, so I saw rolling out. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, was, it was, like, brand new at the time. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was, but I picked it up. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. I said, maybe I can write for them. So I literally looked on the masthead, looked down the masthead, found the number, and I mm-hmm. called. And I just called. Got a woman on the phone. And I said, hi, I'm Esau Harris. Um, you don't know me, but I want to write for you. And she said, huh, okay, well, come down and talk to me. So I went down and talked to her. Her name was Anika Robertson. She had she was the editor at Vibe. She left Vibe and came down to Rolling Out. Wow. And she liked me. And so she said, I don't have any clips. I don't have any kind of clips or nothing. So she said, here, take this. It was a Missy Elliott CD, her second CD that came out. Mm-hmm. She said, review this, bring it back. So I did. I reviewed it, brought it back. And um, 
the next day I became her assistant. Wow. And I worked with her for a year, year and a half, um, mm-hmm. for free. So I would teach from <laughs> I would teach from seven to three, leave school, work from four to maybe one in the morning every day for like a year and a half. Wow. And then after that year and a half I had her job. Hold on, hold on. After a year and a half, you took her job. Did she move on, or you just kind of was like this? You no, know, is- the publisher. Um, he offered me her job. I mean, he he wanted her to move on, and so he offered me hostile her. takeover. All right, brother Harris. I'll but see the, you but, the, but the interesting thing is, she became a teacher. So we kind of like switched wow. places. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, do you you still have a relationship with yeah, her? Yeah, yeah, that's my girl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I've had some really. I've in my life, I've had some really interesting. Um, great women to help me throughout my career man you know what's funny is i i absolutely can't attest to that i the other day i was sitting back and i was thinking i was like man you know what where would i be without uh you know strong women who mm-hmm. believed in the vision so to hear you say that is very uh very positive man and that is that's everything so you you did then you became what was your job title at rolling out i was editor-in-chief okay so you're editor-in-chief at rolling out wow that was my first job in journalism Talk about starting with the bar bar high. So from there, rolling out, where did you go? Um, was it rolling out for two, two and a half years? And then after that, um, I went to Upscale. Mm. Upscale Magazine. Okay. So yeah. when did you come back to New York? How did you make your way back? Oh, So from Upscale, I started working with People Magazine. I became a reporter for People. Mm-hmm. Um, basically handled all of their like Southeastern reporting. Yeah. Um, so any superstar that was doing anything in the South. Mm-hmm. It was me during those, that four-year period. So if you if you read about Whitney Houston going to rehab or her mother going to rehab, that was me. If you read about Usher getting married, that was me. All those stories I broke for People magazine. Wow. Yeah. How do you find your your sources in order to um, you know to get like to be the first person to break this news and stuff like that? Yeah, working working for a magazine like People is it's a great experience because you actually to be a stringer, be a reporter, you have to be on the beat. Like you be on the you have to go on the street and actually sometimes stalk people and mm. stake out and go get records and, uh, you know, all that stuff. So it's uh, Hold on. So what, like, what, <laughs> describe to me one of these crazy stakeouts. I got to know. Like, what does this look like? Um, Journalism. I mean, it's kind of crazy. I mean, sometimes, you know, um, if you are looking for, hey, so if you hear that Brad and Angelina are at a, are at a hotel in Atlanta, mm-hmm. you go, you sit at the bar and you talk to the bartender, you talk to some people who maybe stay in there, maybe they've seen them, they have, and you look around and you may spot them you know or you get some information where they're going to be you mm-hmm. know it's just like just playing your, your um you know your instincts okay so if you're doing all of this and you're covering the whole southeast like what are some of your what are some of the your favorite places that you've been able to travel to while doing your job oh I've <laughs> i know you've been ton of places man <laughs> um most of my great travel experiences have been outside of the united states though okay um bless us yeah yeah um Look, with my job at roll, not rolling out at Uptown, but I was the editor in chief of four years at Uptown. I think during those four years, I probably circled, I probably circled the globe like four times. Really? So, yeah. what are some of your favorite places that you've been to internationally? But, let, I just want, but I want to tell my story about that though, because when I was at Rolling Out, I um, I met this woman. Her name was Claire Mangers. She okay. was um, a publicist for this international resort, mm-hmm. and we were having lunch. Mm-hmm. And I guess she saw something in me. So she said, Isol, I really like you. And I can see that you're going to go places. And she said, but I, I need for you to really see the world. And I want you to see the world. And she said, but you're going to do it on someone else's dime. Yeah. She said, make sure you do it on someone else's dime. And I, I was like, oh, okay. 
Okay. And it kind of stuck with me. So every job I've had, I've always made it a point to up the travel component or element wherever I was. What does that conversation look like when you're trying to up that travel component? Um, well, um, when I started at Uptown, um, Uptown was already, they already had a travel section, mm-hmm. you know, and they probably had maybe one travel story mm-hmm. issue. Um, when I took over, it probably, I probably ramped it up to like three, three or four. Okay. You know, and make sure it was in every issue. And also, I kind of challenged the notion of where black people travel. Um, if you know anything about the industry, you'll know that most advertisers think that black people only go to Miami, Vegas, and Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Now, while we do go to those places, <laughs> right. we also like to go to other places. Mm-hmm. So I said, no, I don't think that's true. So I said, no, we like to go to Vietnam. We like to go to the Maldives. Right. We like to go to Europe. We like to go to the Switzerland. And so I went to all those places and reported on them. And so now you have the rise of all these organizations now where all these black people are traveling. Right. You know? It's funny. Yeah. Our, our former guest is uh, Evita Robinson mm-hmm. uh, from No Madness. Yeah. yeah. She was on the panel actually uh, at the conference that I was at. Mm-hmm. So very, very uh, cool sister, bold and, you know, pushing mm-hmm. uh, the, the envelope. Yeah, we were on a panel yeah. together for the New York Travel Show uh, okay. like two years ago. Oh, okay. So now one of my questions, when you were moving, like you started off as editor-in-chief, I guess some would say early on. Mm-hmm. When you started to transition, like when you went from uh, rolling out to upscale, did you transfer into an uh, editor-in-chief position nope. as well? Or did you kind of like go down nope, uh, nope. in the ranks? How does that work? No. So fortunately for me, mm-hmm. I was able at that point to stay out of my own way. Okay. I have been in my own way at other points. But luckily at that point, I wasn't in my own way because mm-hmm. I knew that being a rolling out, being an editor-chief of rolling out, wasn't on the same plane as maybe going to a national magazine mm-hmm. and being the editor-in-chief. You know, okay. I knew there's a difference. Okay. You know, so luckily I haven't been caught up in titles. I've known people who mm-hmm. get caught up in titles. Right. And they get caught up and they get stuck. You know, so I don't really believe in that. I believe in going to a job that's going to give you something that you've never had before, that you going to learn something and it's going to take you somewhere else mm-hmm. and oftentimes titles have nothing to do with that wow so how did you learn how to stay out of your own way because like you said you know people do get caught up in titles but was there something that you had to say to yourself because in, in to an extent some would say oh well you know what you're not you you're not at the same level you know mm-hmm. so how did you what did you tell a soul in order to stay out of your way i just i could always see where i want to go Mm-hmm. I, I could always see what I want to do. You know, um, when I took the job at Rolling Out, my friends laughed at me. You know, like the, my group of friends at the, at the point, they were like, what are you doing? You are know? they still your friends? <laughs> I was about to curse. Um, no. <laughs> oh, yeah. Please don't curse. Please don't no. curse. No, they're not my no, no, no friends anymore. No. no. Right. Um, it's interesting because they, um, they asked me, because at that point, Rolling Out wasn't what it's become now. Mm-hmm. You know, it was basically mm-hmm. like a pamphlet. Mm-hmm. Basically, at that time, right. you know, um, but when I took it over, it was like riddled with mistakes and, you know, it didn't have a lot of quality that it has now, right. you know. Um, and so they were like, why are you leaving your secure job teaching to go to that? Mm. And I said, because that's going to take me where I want to go. And it's going to take me, not so you. can't do it. Right. So, exactly. um, so I didn't, at that point, I realized that how important it is to have people around you who believe in what you're doing. That being said. What does your peer group look like? Who are the people that you spend your time around? <laughs> my friends were absolutely amazing. And I, <laughs> and I, I don't say that lightly. Like, honestly, it took me a long time to, um, to edit my life the way that it's edited now. Mm-hmm. I have um, ruthlessly edited my life. And has this been more of a recent um, It's constant. Thing? It's constant. Oh, I like that. Okay. It's constant. I don't believe in, I don't believe, I don't, I'll put it like this. I don't have anything in my closet that I don't wear. 
Like, I don't keep, I'm not one of those people that keeps things in the closet and make them feel comfortable, make them feel good that, oh, I have a lot of clothes. Right. I only want clothes in my closet that I'm actually wearing. And you apply that same logic? Across the board. Oh, man. <laughs> so oh, if, man. if my friends, if, if I look around and I'm the smartest person in the group, I need to get out. Mm. I only want to be around people that teach me something. My friends, I can honestly go to any one of my friends with any one of my business proposals, and mm-hmm. they can help me with it. Wow. In fact, my friend Jason W. Draper, shout out to Jason in Atlanta. He's a marketing genius. He's one of, he helped me with um, one of my major clients, you know? Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that I can go out and party with somebody and then turn around and do business. Yeah, and have a real conversation. Absolutely, absolutely. It's so interesting that you say that because when we met, I was like, oh, this brother, you know, we were having a good time. It was yeah. me, you, David. Uh, I was like running around, but we were having this good time but at the same time the the entire conversation the whole time was of substance and i was like dude i like this dude you know what i mean <laughs> yeah. and, and with david i mean we were just music was playing you know right, eating right. all of that it's just you know hours and hours of just good energy and vibes and i'm with you on that you know definitely making sure that your peer group is re- reflective of you now you had a saying uh that you believe in learning the rules in order to break them you have to and you you can't you can't you can't break the rules without knowing them first i mean um People say like you oh, you should you should go you should break the status quo or you should break the mold, but you kind of have to mo- know the mold first mm-hmm. before to break it. You know, I have to learn quote unquote standard English in order for me to write differently in my writing. Right. You know, um, if I didn't know the rules on how I wouldn't first get the job. Right. And then two, know know what I was talking about. So then, I can take that and flip it and make it into my own. Mm. You know. So it's like you have to know the rules in order to break them. Mm. And so, I mean, obviously, this is what you did at Rolling Out, you know, which is why it's on the level that it is, you know, that it had become, uh, which I think is actually really, really uh, cool. So most recently you were working at uh, Surface Magazine Mm -hmm. and before that you were at Uptown at Uptown. Mm -hmm. So what was it like working there? And, you know, how did you feel the difference was in those two different environments? Because I know when we had spoke um, a while back, you were talking about how you love the creative environment and stuff like that. So, what was mm-hmm. what were some of the differences between there? Um, well, I'll just I'll put it like this. I guess, I guess give a little context. Mm-hmm. Every um, everywhere that I've worked has mm-hmm. been completely different. Yeah. You know, um, going to Uptown, I was at a magazine called Nine Four Four before Uptown. I was a managing editor of Nine Four Four. I actually launched Nine Four Four in Atlanta, and I was on a trip. I was in Paris um, on a press trip, and I met this woman, her name was Angela Bronnerhelm, who actually teaches here at City College. Nice. <laughs> um, I met Angela in Paris, and we hit it off, and, and we kept in contact. She lived in New York, and I told her that I wanted to move back to New York, mm-hmm. and so, like, two months later, she hit me up on Facebook, and she was like, she's like, yo, we saw what's up? Are you still interested in coming back to New York? And I mm-hmm. said, sure. She said, well, we have this job. She was, at the time, she was the managing editor at Uptown. Okay. And so she said, um, are you interested in this job? And I was like, of course, you know, and so talked to the editor-in-chief at the time. Her name was Kia Miner, and Kia Miner is actually now the editor-in-chief of Brides Magazine at wow. Condé Nast, and right. she's actually the first African-American editor ever at Condé Nast. Mm-hmm. She was the first. My old boss, Kia. Shout out to her. Go, Kia. Um, anyway, um, so I came to, so I got that, came to New York, and going back to titles, people were like, well, you were a managing editor at 944. Why mm-hmm. would you go to be a senior editor at Uptown because that's where I want to go. <laughs> right. That's where I, I wanted to come to New York. That's what's going to get me to New York. That's what's going to put me on the trajectory to get where I want to go. So 
again, you can't really listen to people and their questions about what you're doing and your motivation because it has absolutely nothing to do with you. Uh, man, what I'm hearing from you is just follow your dream and keep your eye on where it is that you want to go. And that's how things are going to work out for absolutely. you. Absolutely. I mean, I'll give you another example. <laughs> um, my, my, well, I guess I shouldn't say that. Well, one of my bosses mm-hmm. uh, at a previous publication, when I wanted to um, work at People Magazine, I met with a recruiter mm-hmm. who came to Atlanta. And she was like, oh, you have to come to New York and meet with the editors here and people and everything. But they weren't going to fly me. I had to fly myself. So I said, um, I was like, sure, absolutely. And so someone told me, they were like, they were like, well, Iso, I don't think you should fly yourself up there. I think you should wait for timing to fly you, you know. Wow. Yeah. And so I said to myself, well, why would they? F- I need them. They don't need me. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> I need to meet them. So I flew myself up and met with all the editors and I worked for people for almost five years, you know, because I took that, you know. So you cannot listen to people at all. You have to go with what you know or what you think you know. And when you say that now, it it brings me back to when I was asking you about your peer group. You say your friends are absolutely amazing. It sounds like your parents weigh in heavily Mm -hmm. um, on what it is that you that you do. What are those conversations like? And do you do you consult with your parents and do you consult with your peers before you uh, before you make all of these moves, or do sometimes you just shoot from the hip like this is what I want, I'm doing it? Like, how does that work for us? Um, so, um, it depends. I mean, it, it depends on the situation at hand. I mean, if I do have the luxury of you know time, mm-hmm. you know, to, to contemplate and debate, then I may run things that, you know with my against my parents. Um, my father was, like I said, he was a marketing manager at IBM, and so he's always been in business. But he took an early retirement from IBM uh, and started his own business. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, and his his business was so successful that they made him the company. One of his clients wanted him to be a vice president, so he became a vice president at that company, and they bought his company, and so forth and so on. So, wow. I've always seen this whole notion of entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. even as an employee. You know, so I think um, that's where I learned it from from my father. Yeah. So I'm always am consulting with him. Um, my mother gives me advice in a different way. My father gives me more of like professional advice, and my father has actually helped me tremendously um, in my path in the past year, being that I've taken a more entrepreneurial path. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, You had the opportunity to grow up seeing your dad, um, you know, go from being a executive at IBM Mm -hmm. to running his own venture. How has that impacted you? And you also said that you, uh, that you've moved every two years. So how does that help you with when you're traveling and doing all of these things for these amazing jobs that you've had in entertainment? Um, it's funny, though, because I don't, I don't really know anything different. You know, mm. <laughs> uh, my, my mother and I, we got to the point where we would just look at our watch and be like, oh, it's two years. Where are we going now? You know? Nice. And yeah. It just became like second nature, really. And the funny thing is, um, I would move every two years growing up. But then I, when I became an adult, I only stayed at jobs two years. You know? Wow. <laughs> so, so this is of, really yeah, in your really, life, in your DNA. Definitely, definitely. Um, Uptown is actually the longest job I've ever had. I was at Uptown for, um, for f- four and a half years. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And you you said, you know, I quote, uh, what I do is not who I am. It's what I do. Can you explain that a little bit further? Um, I was running to people who um, who maybe like people may look at my social media, you know, they'll see like, oh, all he does is party. All he does is travel. He's on a beach in Vietnam. He's at a party with such celebrities. He's interviewing this celebrity. And oh, he's at this cocktail party. And people make comments like, oh, do you even work? You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I always tell them, like, yeah, it absolutely is work, mm-hmm. you know. And 
because you do those types of things, because you're around certain types of people, mm-hmm. a lot of times people tend to think that you are caught up in all of that. Right. Because, and oftentimes it's them projecting their own insecurities on you right you know um and just because i do this stuff doesn't mean all all my friends know that i would much rather be at a dive bar with my friends right than at a party with jay-z and beyonce you know right. even though i have been at a party with jay-z and beyonce but i'm saying like i'd rather do that with my friends more so than be with a celebrity yeah, so it's, it's just right it's just what i do it's not mm-hmm. who i am mm-hmm. you know? got you so um, that being said i I appreciate all of the experiences that I've had. I've had mm-hmm. some amazing experiences in my job. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of things have come full circle for me. You know, I, I, as a kid, I loved, loved, loved Janet Jackson. I've loved Janet Jackson since I was 10 years old. Wow. <laughs> what about Janet did you love when you were such a young, a young guy? Oh, I don't know. She was just like, she was just, just so pretty. And she's, I don't know, she could dance and just, it was just everything about her. Like, okay. You know, um, loved the music, loved her on different strokes, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, and so... When I had the opportunity to interview her mm-hmm. um, about like six years ago, um, I jumped on it. I couldn't. It was like a full circle moment for me, you know. Wow. You know? How was that interview? What What happened? It was crazy. Um, <laughs> I knew her publicist. Uh, her name was Patty Webster. God bless her soul. She um, passed away. Oh, but Patty Webster was here. She was one of the greatest publicists ever in the industry. There would never be another publicist like Patty Webster. Um, mm. But I called Patty and I was like, Hey, Patty. You know I love you. <laughs> you know, I'll do anything for you, but you know, you got to give me a just Janet interview. And I said, I don't want just a 30 minute phone or 30 minute like meet somewhere to an interview. I'll, I want some time with Janet. Mm-hmm. I want a real interview with Janet. She said, okay, so I'll work on it. I'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. She called me back like 30 minutes later. She said, okay, here's what you're going to do. You're going to meet Janet at her apartment in Midtown and you're going to go. She's looking for, at the time she was dating Jermaine Dupri. Okay. And they wanted a new, they, they needed more space, supposedly. Mm-hmm. And she said, <laughs> Supposedly. <laughs> so she said, um, you're going to go apartment hunting with Janet. Wow. So that's what I did. I met her at her apartment. Um, and I was waiting in her SUV and the door opened and there she was. And I was like, I was speechless. And she First was, time? Yeah. You mean, like starstruck? Yeah. I was like, I, I don't get starstruck over anybody. Right. Because I'm right. saying you interviewing everybody. Right. Man. She's the only person I've ever been starstruck over. Mm. And, um. And so she get in the car and she's like, hi, I'm Janet. I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but she was really cool. She was really cool. Um, so I spent the whole day with her going around New York looking at these amazing apartments. Like These apartments were like $50 million. Mm-hmm. Like there'd be like the whole floor of, of buildings. And she, she was asking me my opinion. I'm like, what do you mean? What do I think? It was, it was crazy. So was that one of those moments where you kind of realized that, hey, uh, you know, my opinion matters and, you know, everybody is human? Or were you just kind of like in awe the entire time? I was just in awe the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was, more, I was more so just thinking about the fact that how important it is to um, you absolutely can manifest your dreams. And that's, that's what was important for me. I'm so happy that you said that because that is the whole purpose of the show is to, cre- you know, create your life. And like everything that you're saying, man, you're getting. And you are creating the opportunities that you want, especially by seeing it through and making, picking up the phone and making stuff happen. Let me tell you, people, people think like um, when they hear stuff like this, a lot mm-hmm. of people think it's a lot of like, I don't know, metaphysical, like, you know, mumbo jumbo. It's not really true, but it absolutely is. It's, it's so true. And oftentimes just by picking up the phone, like you mm-hmm. said. Okay, I'll put it like this. Sometimes we, we see other people, mm-hmm. and we see them doing things that we want to do. Right. And then we also start comparing ourselves to those people and right. say, well, wait a minute. I can do that better than he can. Mm-hmm. I know I'm more talented than he can. Right. But oftentimes, it's not a matter of talent. It's mm-hmm. not a matter of skill. It's a matter of action. 
Mm-hmm. The only the only thing that makes you different than that person, or the only thing that differentiates that person from you, is the fact that they decided to do it. That's the only thing. Wow. I've seen so many people who didn't know what they were doing, mm-hmm. but they wanted to do it, and they did it, and it was successful. Wow. So now talking about, hold on, number one, was that one of your favorite interviews? Who's been your favorite interview? Oh, no, Maya Angelou. Dr. Maya Angelou was my favorite interview. Why? Um, so She's I, epic. That's a phenomenal woman, the definition of it. But No, she, yeah, she absolutely, absolutely was epic. Um, I interviewed her in Florida um, years ago when I was at Rolling Out. And we were talking, and she was just telling us all these stories. And, of course, I already knew about her life anyway. Of course. But I looked, <laughs> I was, like, sitting on the floor. So, so crazy. Um, and I looked up at her, and I said, Dr. Angelo, I have to ask you, you have been able to live... 20, 30 lives. Because yes. she, she did everything. Everything. From being like a, from operating a streetcar in San Francisco to walking in Mecca with Malcolm X. Like she did everything yeah, in man. between. I said, I can't even manage my one life. How have you been able to do 30 so far? And so she looked at me and she said, baby, I woke up one day and realized that I was going to die. And I didn't have any time to waste. So I don't waste any time. And I was like, Wow. It's so simple, but so profound, right? Because we all know we're going to die. right now because right. you know it, but if it's coming from her, man, that's... Right, exactly. Exactly. Man, give two more things that you learned from her. Oh. Please, you, you got to bless us. <laughs> <laughs> I, only think I, I think that's the only thing I really took away from that. that. That was like the biggest thing. Okay. Because I really just wrap... I was just trying to wrap my head around that. Yeah. And from, since then, you've been operating with a sense of urgency? Oh, absolutely. I think... Oh, ask my friends... That word, urgency, mm. urgency is everything. I don't think you should do anything unless it's urgent. Okay. And speaking of taking ag- uh, action and being of urgency, you have recently branched out on your own and actually made your former employer your client now. I mean, you got some impressive stuff going on here, brother. I mean, you have, uh, what is it, American Express as a client? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I, yeah, I'm, I was. I started as a brand ambassador for American Express Platinum. Mm-hmm. They asked me to be in their. It's called a Platinum for a Year program, mm. um, where they ask different influencers, different people in the industry, to come and represent the Platinum card mm-hmm. and create experiences for the card. All right. So, it's been amazing working with them. But I remember during my first meeting with them, when they offered me the position, mm-hmm. after we decided that we we're going to do it, I kind of like tuned them out. Mm-hmm. I was at that breakfast because yeah. the only thing I was thinking about was what can I do to impress them so they can bring me back after that first year because yeah. I know how quick a year is a year is nothing absolutely. like you can look up and a year is gone Yeah. but I wanted to do something where they're going to absolutely have to have me back mm-hmm. a second year mm-hmm. so now I'm going into my third wow and actually the program doesn't even exist anymore <laughs> but you still you still making it work yeah, Dude, yeah. You no, are. They're, no they're great they're really great I, I appreciate them so much and I love the fact that they love my ideas and we're able to collaborate you know? I feel like you, you're the epitome of find a way or make one, man. I, I'm loving this. So, but now you have, uh, you turned Surface into your client. Yeah, so I was the director of strategic partnerships at Surface Magazine. It's a design magazine. Um, great magazine, beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, was there for, I'd say, like seven, seven, eight months. Okay. Um, and it was great. It was a great experience. I learned, I learned more in the last six months, seven months of Surface than I've learned in the past like three years, you know, wow. in this industry. I learned so much. What do you was, feel like was the, the uh, catalyst for you to be able to learn that much stuff? Um, well, the catalyst for me to be able to learn it is me wanting to learn it. 
<laughs> well said. You know, um, that's the catalyst. Um, you know, you could be around a, the most talented people in the world, but if you don't want to learn anything, you won't. What, what was that switch in your life that made you want to be open to uh, expanding your capacity? I don't think it ever was a switch. I just always knew that I, could, I needed to be better than what I was. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And and you also have Lexus. And what is it that you're doing for all of, for these uh for Surface and for Lexus uh now as a um as a consultant or entrepreneur? Yeah, so yeah, so with my company um which is called the Harris Creative Group, um I'm basically offering all the skills and the talents and the services that I've learned and I you know, I accompanied um throughout my career. Whether it be creative direction, editorial direction, whether it be brand partnerships, and so forth and so on. Okay. Yeah, so um, writing editorial content for brands. Uh, with Surface, I'm still doing what I'm doing, what I was doing before. Okay. Um, operating and bringing in collaborations with different brands. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So you've, you've had this amazing career. Uh, what has been the most challenging aspect of it for you? Hmm. Um. I guess the most challenging aspect is learning to let go sometimes Mm -hmm. um, and not worry about, I guess, the next step while also Mm -hmm. working towards the next step. I know that sounds kind of contradictory, but it's um, it's very necessary, I think, because I've been able to just navigate through this industry, Mm -hmm. which is a very tricky industry. um, Right. And you... for like 15 years, and I've, it's uninterrupted. I've always had a position or doing something in this industry, and I've never really, quote-unquote, applied for a job, mm-hmm. you know, throughout Has it been more, mostly relationships? And Absolutely. I mean, I, that's one thing I learned when I was at Rolling Out, um, the importance of relationships, and not the networking, quote-unquote, networking type of relationships. I don't really believe in that yeah. word or that whole concept. I think it's silly, but um, creating real relationships with people. You know, yeah. um, you're not just calling them when you want something from them or you want them to give you a recommendation, but creating a real relationship, you know, um, where it's a reciprocal. It's a two way street. Yeah. You know, um, that's been really beneficial for me. You know, um, when I first started traveling, my first travel story was to um, travel press trip was to um, South Africa. Back One in of my like, favorites. Yeah. It was like years ago. It was my first my first time going. There. I've been several times since. But mm-hmm. I was at a. One of these quote unquote networking events or whatever. Yeah. And no, I'm sorry, it was like a travel it was like a travel fair or something. So I didn't know who I was talking to, but I you know, I was I was always taught, you know, to treat people with respect and talk to people and give them your time, you, you know, your attention. And this wonderful woman named Nanette, she was from San Francisco and she had this magazine. So I started talking to her and we exchanged information and she called me a week later and she said, Hey, I have this on um, this trip that I'm taking some journalists to South Africa. Would you like to come? And I had never heard, I'm brand new in the industry, I had never heard of a press trip. I'm like, what's a press trip? Right. And I was like, yeah. So I went to South Africa for like 14, like 14 days, you know? And then after that, I went to Brazil with her and going down to Amazon. It was crazy. Um, so from that point on, I realized like, you should always, always, you never know who you're talking to. Mm. You never know. Relationships are key. Yeah. I want to flip that. And I want to uh, ask you about this. How do you feel about your time? You know what I mean? Like, how do you protect it? Or what, what value do you place on your time? Being that I know a lot of people want to uh, have access to you, uh, especially, you know, with your experience and things like that. So how do you, how do you feel about that? I'll say, okay, so this is something that I've learned in probably the last two years. You have to be absolutely 
borderline, no, not even borderline. You have to be selfish with your time. Okay. Absolutely selfish. Mm -hmm. um, your time is, <laughs> it's the most valuable thing you have, and it's, it's the thing you have the less of, like the least of, mm -hmm. you know? I'm, I was at Fashion Week um, one year, and I was waiting to get into, like, I think, the Tracy Reese show. Mm -hmm. And everyone was, like, waiting to get in. And I started talking to this woman, and I believe she's a writer. I didn't know at the time. I, I knew I recognized her. But we exchanged information, and, um, and I was like, oh, this is you. Okay. Well-known writer. You know, she's written, like, 30 books in fashion and everything. Wow. And so I reached out to her, like, a week later, and I was like, hi, I'm Isol. You know, I um, met you at the Tracy Reese show. She was like, hi, Isol. Um, and I had asked her, maybe we can meet for lunch or something. She, and she called me. And she said, hi, Isol. I just want to tell you, I think you're a lovely person. I know you're lovely. But I just have to tell you, and please just understand, I don't do lunch. I don't do dinner. I don't do drinks. I don't do coffee. I don't do any of those things. I work. And that's the reason why I have such, 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 such books. And I was like, oh. And I, I immediately got it. I didn't take offense to it at all. I knew what she was saying. She was saying that she would not be as prolific as she is mm -hmm. if she was to waste her time all the time to having lunch and dinner with people. And I started thinking about it. And I'm like, that's so true. Because oftentimes, do you really need to go have lunch with this person? No. no. Do you really need to have dinner with this person? No, because oftentimes people are just meeting with you to pick your brain, mm -hmm. you know. And please protect your information because information is money. <laughs> right. You do not need to give information to everybody. But anyway, um, you don't need to meet everybody. Sometimes those things can be handled on a phone call, an email, a text message. You know, so I've learned to be absolutely really protective of my time. Wow. Protect because, the time. Yeah, because, I mean, that's the only, my time is when I produce. Yeah. And I produce content for a living. Right. And also, time is the only resource that you can't get back. It, absolutely. Mm. So what's coming up next for you? Well, I mean, I'm building this, this new company of mine, so that's what I'm doing on a daily basis. What's the name of it? It's called the Harris Creative Group. The Harris Creative Group. Okay. And uh, how can our listeners uh, keep in contact with you, uh, stay abreast of what's going on with the Harris Creative Group, um, what you're going on, what new trips you're about to head to and places, what parties you're at? Mm -hmm. um, you can always go to my Instagram. It's um, Isol Harris at Isol Harris. I S O U L Harris, all one word. Mm -hmm. um, that's my Twitter as well and my Facebook. And you can email me at Isol at the Harris Creative Group dot com. Okay. Well, so I want to thank you for coming in oh, uh, and being on the show. Amazing. We definitely got to have you back on. And thank you so much. No, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Beautiful people, if you enjoyed this episode of the Create Your Life series, be sure to download it from our podcast, which is available on createyourlifeseries.com, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Music. Also, be sure to leave a review of the podcast. You can catch us live on Sundays from 5.30 to 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time via 90.3 FM in New York or on Facebook Live at facebook.com backslash kevbrown1. We encourage you to participate in the conversation on Facebook or call in at 212-650-6903. Follow us on Instagram at CYL series and at Kevin Y. Brown. Be blessed and we'll see you back here live next week. Create your life. Create ta propre vie. Create your life. Create your life. Create la tua vita. Create your life. Unstick your liver. You better create your life. <laughs> Create your life. Create la vie. Create your life. Create your life.